Welcome back to Night Swims. This is a podcast hosted by two idiots who think they know everything about mysteries, conspiracies, and strange phenomena. So please silence all cell phones. Sorry, William was calling me. It was silence. (laughs) It's just buzzing. Um been um hey it's been a little bit <laughs> um that's been too long that's been too long it's been no one no one cares no one cares almost how long it's two been. weeks no one cares how long it's been we're we're here yeah right it's been almost two weeks but we're here we um yeah i don't really know why we did well i guess because Usually when we record, which is Saturdays, I was, we were both out of town, weren't we? I was in Foley, you were in someplace, right? It was here. You were? Okay, so, sure. so I was out of town, and then I was out of town again, and then we're here now. Um, let's go for a second episode Saturday morning. I got a topic already lined up, continuing the Alien series. Uh-oh. But as per usual... I have some notes. Lay them on me. Number one, thought of this recently. <sighs> Bathrooms are a weird concept. Because it's just a place nope. where you go to release your extra. No, 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 no. In hindsight, what a bathroom is, is a place where the only thing separating you and the outside world is a door where people get half or fully naked. And the weird, like... Here's what's weird to me about it. Realizing it, I realized this at Target when I was at the urinal and some dude was in the stall next to me and just ripping it. (laughs) Just like, oh my God, I felt bad for him because it was Was he like moaning? No, it was just, no, it was just, (laughs) it was like machine guns in a war zone. Sorry for that description. But like, it's it's weird to me. Bathrooms Bathrooms are weird because people... We as people have accepted the fact that we're, it, we think it's totally normal to go into a public restroom where there's multiple stalls, sit down in that stall, get half naked, basically, having basically no real like full protection because peop- there's an opening above, there's an opening below, and just like being like, okay, this is it. And like you, you have someone sit next to you, basically, but you don't think anything of it because of that thin realistically it's very thin and not that like strong stall like wall it's just weird to me like i I was i was realizing that like it's weird how like that's so normal but like if that wall wasn't there if it was see-through be the weirdest thing ever you know what i mean yeah yeah it's weird i mean that's just that privacy barrier that's but it's not because like you can literally look down and be like oh my god there's someone's feet there's someone who's like less than two feet away from me whose ass is also out (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of like once you when you poop in a public restroom you just have the common courtesy not to talk okay i got i got a question when you're in a public bathroom and you have to go number two do you wait till there's no one in the bathroom no Okay. Well, it depends on the. I do. Depends on the emergency. I level. do because I just feel really weird. No. <laughs> just Dude, being that's like, what it's there for. Cause no, because bathrooms are always really quiet. So like so? even the tiniest noise, like I'm always. I like, do sometimes wait if I got a big one coming. I wait Jesus. till someone flushes, <laughs> just so it messes the sound. Okay, we're enough talking about that. <laughs> the okay, the ba- bathrooms are a weird concept to me. I think it's weird how like 
Now I'm sure there are people out there like who are like thinking about that now and being like, oh, that's it's kind of true. Yeah. Number two. We were just talking about number twos. Yes, that's true. <laughs> oh. My brother. Yeah, which one? Um, the lesser one, Alec. No, the greater one, Alec. I don't know where I stay on them. The one, Alex, the middle. Greater than and equal to. The middle, Alex. He, for those of you who don't know, he runs, he's part of Weagle, which is the the War Eagle Greater Lakes something. I don't really know what. Greater Lakes. I don't really know what WEGL stands. Oh, whoops. I was trying to move that. I don't really know what WEGL stands for. War Eagle something something. War Eagle GL. It's a a student-run radio station up in Auburn. War Eagle, I don't know, yeah, Grand don't Larceny. No, that's a crime. <laughs> anyway, he runs that. He does the sports section. And him and his good friend, not roommate, which is weird because they seem pretty close. Not like us because we're inseparable. But anyways, yeah. they started a movie podcast. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It's called Through the Lens, and it's on Spotify and everything. If you type in, let me double check. Alex, that. you need a better logo. The logo did look weird. I didn't want to say anything. I was well, we're gonna, saying it now. I was going to say it. I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, that's it. true. Alex, if you're listening, he never listens, though. Through the lens. Yeah, if you I like you, the it's name. It's by Alex Houston and Davis Carroll. It's a good name. Yeah. I think I helped him with that name. Yeah. Anyway. I'll help you with the logo. Yeah. It, it um It's on Spotify, so I figured I would shout them out. I don't think I have an Instagram page because I think it's through Weagle. I'm not sure. I think it's um, going to be better than ours. Well, then you're gonna have a family like rival with a fa- well two podcasts. different topics two different topics well, but yeah, yeah but give it yeah. a listen if you like movies um well, let's just let's just say our like total number of plays just so that they know who they're working with okay let's who see. they know who they're who they're who they're fucking with yeah they don't they don't want any of this well they're also like I don't know let's see uh seventeen <laughs> seven no no oh, oh my gosh yeah. I read that wrong seven thousand five hundred forty seven. Okay, so we're three quarters of the way to 1,000. Or 10,000. 10, Dude, that'd be sick <laughs> yeah. when we hit 10,000. Oh, God. Anyways. um, It's been a, a little over Our anniversary's years. coming up. Our, th- what, three-year anniversary, right? Yeah. Cool. Make a note of that, because we got to do something for that. Yeah, we didn't do anything last year. We did. We completely the, missed it. The two-year anniversary. Two-year anniversary is boring. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Two-year is boring. Three. One and three, and then five. Yeah. Those are like the first the big ones. And then you go to ten. You go all the way to ten. It's weird. Four okay. is really boring. Four so is boring. So is gonna, seven. Yeah. Seven's no, the worst seven's one. seven's a lucky number, so we have to. Maybe. Nine. That's a weird one. Yeah. Eight's pretty... Because nine is just right on the cusp. Like yeah. Ten. It's teasing us. It's like, should we? No. It's like, let's not do it this year and have a bigger one next year. Yeah. But. Anyways. Um, as you can see, we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. So, yeah. Alex, he made that. If you like movie podcasts, they talked about um, their top five directors, actors, actresses, and then top ten movies. I haven't finished it yet. And he did tell me that. They rate this by their acting ability or their appearance. I think it's personal favorites oh. for actors. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. All three you know, favorite acting ability, Z. and then he had he had a weird. Um, he talked about Treasure Planet. I was really happy. <laughs> I was so happy. But he said that he talked about that they're going to do a Star Wars episode in the future. Oh jeez. He told me I could be on it. He we, said I have we, to be I remember civil. when we tried that. Yeah. Or we tried to do um, just a movie one or something. Then it ended up being a war, like literally a war about Star Wars. Yeah. But yeah, I was just sitting there quiet. It, um, he said I could be on it, so I'm looking forward to that. And but that does okay. 
you're not gonna. He hasn't it. been on this podcast. No, he hasn't. Is that? You think this is too? I'm actually kind of scared because it might turn it down one. I'm scared it'll fall. All right, but this brings me to my three out of four topic or uh, thinking point. Yeah, you might not enjoy this, oh but. This, is this going to be a sports question where you no, just end no, up making no, fun no, no, of me? No, 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 no. It's a movie. It's a, it deals with movies. So as you know, as I've made it abundantly clear in the past, um, I'm very humble about it, if you can't <laughs> tell. I very much enjoy movies. Yeah. Very much all Every things. Every time we call Jackson a movie connoisseur, he's like, no, I'm not. I don't like that because it makes me sound pretentious. I just like movies. But I have a good friend who also very much enjoys movies, and he's a listener of the podcast. It's Dawson. His name's Dawson. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Dawson. Would you be interested in starting a movie podcast? Oh, man. No, he's not. He's not going to be interested. You think so? No. All right, well, I, that, I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. So. Well, I don't care, because this, this one, I mean, this one's just always going to be cool. This one's so. going to be way better. Yeah. This one, that one's more so of just a hobby. Yeah. What is this? A uh, fucking this is, yeah, career. No, we, get, we get paid. A gateway into the government. How was your? How'd you spend your six-figure paycheck last? Oh, month, you know, last month. Cocaine <laughs> and pizza. <laughs> Coke and pizza. But yeah, okay. So Dawson, that is a serious question for you. Um, let me know. Text me. If, if call you, me. Right, email me. Fax up, me. Or up. hold on, I'm not done. Talk to me in person. You were saying. If y'all do this, you have to come up with a name right now. Five, four, three, two. D and J Productions. No, nah, that's I don't know. It was already. We I don't a, know. We had a Minecraft map called D and J. Oh, did that? we? Oh, we did. <laughs> um, over the lens. <laughs> Out of the lens. No. What if it's just like I add an extra looking through the lens? <laughs> just really, just like piss I was like, on dude, them. Dude, what the heck? That's I don't know what you're talking about. It's uh, we're looking through the lens. You're just through the lens. Okay, <laughs> so that you could throw you could it, have you had mean. a better name. Alex. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the name. If I don't even know if he wants to do it, but if that's int- if it's, if you're interested in that, let me know. Right. Final thing. This one is um, theme theme specific to our podcast and how we deal with Sweet. mysteries and everything like that. So I think I've talked about it before. Um, a have you, Alyssa Turney, you ever heard of her? I think so. Oh, I just punched the mic. Okay, so anyways, um, oh, I read the top about of it. your phone on. Hmm? You usually don't have the top of your phone on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I read about it a little bit today when I had a break at work. Um, so I'm going to try and remember as best I can. I don't want to try and find it again just because there was a specific article I read. But so basically, Alyssa Turney, she was a 17-year-old who went missing in 2002, 2001. And she has never been found. Her body's never been found, anything like that. And her sister, who was 12 when she disappeared, um, she started, she created a bunch of social media stuff to kind of keep the case alive. That's what she was um, recommended to do by the um, investigate, the cops on the case, the, the investigators, detectives, whatever. And she, um, for the longest time, believed that it was her stepfather so her stepfather has custody of or had technically of her sister and her after her mom died of cancer and so it was like them two and the stepdad and stepdad from the way her sister described and i can't remember her name so i feel bad about that Alyssa's sister who is the one who started everything she um 
has like been like that's like who I believed has done it. And he like said at one point, I'm pretty sure like you'll find out the truth on my deathbed because he is in prison right now. But I'll get to this. So she started a bunch of social media pages. She only ever got like ten or twenty thousand uh, like followers. And then she started tic- a TikTok when quarantine happened. Mm-hmm. And she gained over like eight hundred thousand followers and like over ten million likes on all her videos. And she would post like interviews and home videos and all this stuff like that. And like at the end of August, her dad was in her her step the stepdad is in prison for 10 years for having like a shit ton of like pipe bombs and a manifesto and a bunch of stuff in his house and they charged him with second degree murder because like of all like the support that the case had and everything like that yeah. so after like i guess it would be like 19 years there's finally like someone to pin on it and there's like if i if you look up Alyssa attorney there's like a bunch of stuff about her the home videos i'm referring to are like there's like a home video. This is the one that I saw that like led me to all of it. Is like they're literally like the little girl, the twelve year old who is started everything, is like filming her sister in the field, and her sister turns around and is like, maybe her name's Sarah, and she's like, Sarah, dad's a pervert or something like that, and he takes the camera from the girl like really quickly, and he's just like trying to shut it off. So it's really interesting. That's weird. So yeah, so he's currently. I'm pretty sure he's in prison awaiting. And he, he got in, he went, he was sentenced to prison in like 2012. So his sentence mm-hmm. is almost up for that pipe bomb thing. So I just thought that was really cool. So that was all. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that, that's all I have. Those are all my, all my four thoughts. Points? Yeah, all my talking points for today's episode. Oh boy. Well, we're a little over 11 minutes in. 13. Yeah, no, I started mine late. Why do you have a stopwatch? I don't know. I was just trying, I was trying something new. Usually, I don't know how long the podcast has been going on, so I just... 14 minutes. I figured, yeah, it's just, <laughs> not even to 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so enough talking for me. Let me get on my handy-dandy face ID. I put my water go. here. This, oh, this whole face you're ID using thing. the iPad now? Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Douglas got a, himself an iPad with bro. a pen and the, the typing thing the at Apple the bottom. Pencil? The Apple Pencil. And he's currently trying to figure out how to... There we this go. This thing is hard. Yeah. All right. And so. he was going to engrave it with something stupid. It's not a maxi pad. It's an <laughs> iPad. But we convinced him not to. The engraving was free. I wasn't going to pay for that. Anyways. So. Jackson, here we go. I'm ready. So. I found. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Redditor now. I, I'm a, I, I get on Reddit avidly. Really? Yeah. Do you have the app? What's your Reddit username? Um, well, so I tried to log in when I got my iPad, and it made like I did the same email and everything, but it made me choose a new thing. So I just did um and then underscore I don't know, but then my other one on my phone is oh, what is it? Something with night swims because it that's where I got some of my topics. Uh, let's see. It is night swimmer nine two three nine. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so um, do. Actually, keep going first. Reddit's there's a lot of conspiracy subreddits. That's that, how PizzaGate became a thing. Yeah, is because of Reddit. Mm-hmm. There are like there's a lot there's, of things. There's a good part of back. Reddit, and there's like the shitty part of Reddit. Yeah, like I don't, think I, made, I don't think I made it to the shitty part yet. Probably not. Which is good. But, you should stay away from that. Yeah, because those people are fucking losers. I almost got into the dark web though. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But yeah, so I found a topic. I actually found this off of TikTok, though. 
Because there's, there's this guy, yeah, no, no, no. There's, there's this guy who's like creepy things to look up at night. He's got the tiptoe through the tulip song behind it. And so it said the Gloria Ramirez incident. And I was like, huh, I'll look into that. So she's considered the toxic lady. I looked that one up one time. You, I don't so remember you know, anything about it. You don't it. remember? No. All right. Well. Wait. So, okay. So did you get the stuff from Reddit or from? I got the topic idea from TikTok, and then I looked into it on Reddit, and now I found an article by Grunge, who goes in depth. All right. It. Have you not watched Grunge YouTube videos? Like that's a that's a channel. Oh, they do I like, thought it was a Reddit. They, no, no, no. They they do uh, like uh, top ten stuff. I don't think that. so. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Top 10s are always a, a fun video. Anyway, so this is an article by Asher Cantrell. It's posted July 16th, 2020 at 1.20 a.m. What are you doing up that late, man? Come on, get some sleep. I thought it was Grunge who wrote the article. Yeah, it's Grunge. You said by Asher. Yeah, he probably works for Grunge. Oh, okay. <laughs> Congratulations, Asher, for working for Grunge. All right, so it starts. The life of a hospital emergency room staffer is never dull. There's always some new challenge on its way through the doors, and they're trained to be prepared for anything. Not only is there's not only is there's a life of constant pressure to perform quickly, they need to be accurate too. Mistakes in the ER can have very bad consequences very rapidly. But as TV shows like House have taught us, sometimes the unexpected can arrive, and that ratchets and that ratchets up the pressure even more. How could you react in that situation? What if even after years of something showed up on your metaphorical doorstep that was just that was just completely outside of your experience? What if it was something that over 25 years later people still can't still couldn't quite make sense of? This was the experience of ER staffers at Riverside General Hospital one night in 1994. To this day the mysterious toxic lady Gloria Ramirez still has not fully been explained. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. All right, part one. Gloria is admitted to the ER. Gloria Ramirez was your everyday citizen of Riverside, California. She had a husband and two kids, and she was loved by many in her community, uh, according to All That's Interesting. Um, but when but that changed when at the age of 31, she was, she was diagnosed with late-stage cervical cancer. Just a mere six weeks later, on February 19th, 1994, Ramirez complained of heart palpitations and shortness of breath. Ramirez arrived at Riverside General Hospital around 8.15 in the evening and was brought to Trauma Room 1 in the hospital's emergency department. She was awake, but her speech was difficult to understand and sometimes downright incoherent. Her breathing was shallow and rapid, and her heartbeat was greatly elevating, according to Discover Magazine. Ramirez's heartbeat was beating so fast that the chambers of her heart were, were, weren't even filling up with blood, causing her blood pressure to drop. Until this point, everything with Gloria Ramirez was actually pretty normal, except she was so young. Typical patients with symptoms like Ramirez's were, not, were, ed, were elderly, not 31 years old. That's my dyslexia kicking in. Um, <laughs> you should just, like... Just, like, have, like, someone read it for you. I should. You think Siri does that? Mm. Um, It wasn't until ER staff began treating Ramirez that things got weird very quickly. Within moments, a relatively standard ER visit turned into one of the strangest events in medical history. (gasps) Are you intrigued? 
Didn't you? Did you hear me? What are you looking up? I was thinking Part about... Part two. Okay. Gloria Ramirez's treatment begins. ER staffers began treating Gloria Ramirez's symptoms. First, they gave her several sedatives to calm her, like Valium and Ad- Ativan. This was standard procedure for a patient like Ramirez. They then followed this up with lidocaine and bertillium to attempt to slow her heart. An ambubag, ambu bag, is that what that is? Ambubag? I don't know. A-M-B-U bag? Yeah. Um, the thing you see in the movies that looks like an oxygen mask attached to a big rubber ball. Okay, I know what it is now. Um, helped with Ramirez's shortness of breath, according to Discover Map magazine. Unfortunately, ER staff determined that these measures weren't helping as much as they'd like, so they made the decision to use a defibrillator. Ramirez's shirt was removed, and at this point that the staff noticed their first oddity. Ramirez's skin had an unidentified oily coating that no one could recognize. This reminds me of the autopsy of Jane Doe. That movie? Yeah. That was... Yeah, that movie. Well, there's probably... I don't know. That was a scary movie, actually. That was... That's a really good movie. Back to our (laughs) quarantine (laughs) horror movie spree. What are you Mm. laughing at? I was just... (laughs) We were just like, that was a really good movie. (laughs) So. Mm -hmm. Big, or unidentified oily coating. Mm. No one could recognize. Mm -hmm. About this same time, multiple staffers complained of an odor, sometimes described as fruity and other times described as garlicky, which seemed to be coming from Gloria Ramirez's mouth, according to All That's Interesting. Neither the oily skin nor the smell was typical at all, even for a late-stage cancer patient. Despite this, ER staff rolled with the punches and continued treatment. This was merely the beginning. However, as things were about to turn into something none of however, as things were about to turn into something none of Riverside oh General's gosh. hospitals we gotta find ER you staff less had wordy ever topics. seen before. Part 3. Was that part 3? <laughs> yeah, that's part 3. That's part, part 8. <laughs> the scent of blood. During this initial treatment, a registered nurse named Suzanne Kane, Susan Kane began taking Gloria Ramirez's blood for further examination. After drawing a single syringe of blood, she noticed that something was very wrong. (gasps) Just wait. She smelled a very strong odor of ammonia. I was going to guess. Well, like the disease. No, not the disease. What is ammonia? Uh, It's a chemical, I I believe. All right. Ammonia. Uh, Fact checking. Hold on. Ammonia. And was shocked to find that it was coming from the blood she had drawn from the oh, area. A colorless gas with a characteristic pungent smell. It dissolves in water to give a strongly alkaline solution. Huh. So where does it come from? Is it it like, is produced naturally in the human yeah, body. That's what, that's what I was thinking. And in nature. So after she drew, Susan Kane drew Ramirez's blood, she started to feel faint. Um, thinking quickly... Kane passed the syringe off to a respiratory therapist assisting in the ER that night, Maureen Welch, who also noticed the smell. Welch then passed the syringe to, oh God, Julie Gorkinski, mm-hmm. Polish, yeah. uh, a third-year medical resident. Gorkinski noticed the smell too, but she also noticed something else. 
tiny yellowish particles floating in the blood. According to... Um, never mind. <laughs> well, chemotherapy... What? what do you mean? No, according to... It's just another magazine thing that I keep reading. Oh. It's throwing me off. Um, well, chemotherapy can give the body a chemical smell. What does this girl look like? Let me see. Gloria Ramirez. Oh, she looks normal. Yeah. Wait, what is this picture? Oh, it's blurry. It's like a picture of people in hazmat suits and stuff around they her. Look, I, th- I saw a picture of um, people just lying on the floor, too. You see that? Oh. Yeah. Um, while chemotherapy can give the body a chemical smell, it doesn't smell like ammonia or leave any sort of particles in the blood. Wait, so is she dead right now? In, like, yeah. in this part yeah. of the story? No, she... she I don't want to give it away, but... In the part of the story? Oh, no, 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 no. She, They're still working to save her life. She dies, yes. <sighs> Spoiler! Uh, you knew that's this is where that was going. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Dr. Umberto Okoa, the lead doctor in the ER that night, noticed also noticed the yellow particles in the blood, but couldn't tell what they were besides very unusual. Nurse Susan Kane stood up, swayed, and fainted, just barely being caught by Dr. Okoa. When she awoke, she said her face was burning. At this point, Kane was placed on a gurney and wheeled out of trauma room one. Part four. You don't have to keep dividing it into parts. They're all divided in parts. Dude, the stocks have been so bad recently. I had a green day today, I think. Anyways, part four. In the past week, my stocks have gone down $5. Yeah. Sorry. I got a notification. Part four. Oh, my God. The evacuation. Uh. Julie Gorkinski, the medical resident who had noticed the yellow particles in Gloria Ramirez's blood, stepped out of the room to go sit at a nurse's station. She said she felt lightheaded and queasy. Shortly after, another staff member noticed Gorkinski and asked if she was all right, at which point Gorkinski slid out of the chair and fell to the floor, passing out. Gorkinski, like Susan Kang, was placed on a gurney and taken away from the trauma room. She also awoke shortly after passing out, at which point she displayed symptoms of muscle spasms. Specifically, she would shake uncontrollably every few seconds, an apnea, an involuntary stopping, stopping breathing for several seconds at a time. Jeez. I did not know that's what apnea was. Like sleep apnea? Mm, I don't think so, because she's awake. It says apnea, involuntary stopping breathing for several seconds at a time. Mm. Yeah. Um, at the same time, back in the trauma room, Maureen Welch, the respiratory therapist who had also handled Gloria Ramirez's blood, also fainted. She recalled hearing someone scream and then nothing until she woke up, unable to control the movements of her arms and legs. Other staffers in the room also complained of feeling ill. Dr. Okoa, sensing something was very wrong, ordered staff and patients to evacuate the emergency department, moving into the parking lot instead, where they continued to examine patients and those who had been affected by what happened in the trauma in trauma room one. Part five. The skeleton crew who tried to save Gloria Ramirez. A small crew who weren't being affected by whatever was going on in the trauma room in trauma room one, stayed behind to treat Gloria Ramirez. So she's still, she's still going. Um, including Dr. Umberto Ocoa. Her vitals continued to, fa- to fall, and the remaining team attempted CPR until further defibrillation. But it was no use. At 8.50 p.m., 
Just 35 minutes after she was admitted to Riverside Hospital, Gloria Ramirez was declared dead. After that, two staffers moved Ramirez's body into an isolation room out of an abundance of caution. But no one, but no, but one of those two, Sally Balderas, also became ill and began vomiting and complaining of her skin burning. She too was put on a gurney and pushed into another room. Now there were four known staffers who were admitted uh, to the hospital themselves, as well as an unnamed fifth. A Riverside County hazmat team examined the trauma, trauma room one, top to bottom, but found no chemical leaks, dangerous gases, or indeed any evidence that anything had been, even had even been amiss. Everything showed as being completely clean. While the staff and hospital administrators were relieved to hear no dangerous substances were found, the results were also concerning. If not a gas or chemical leak, what exactly happened in that room? Guess what? Part six. <laughs> the aftermath of the toxic lady. In all, 23 staffers who worked in or near the trauma room one in or near trauma room one the night of Gloria Ramirez's death ended up feeling ill. And five ER staffers were hospitalized themselves. For those not admitted, the symptoms generally fell into a few categories: muscle spasms feeling dizzy or nauseous, or respiratory trouble. A few reported burning sensations on their skin. Sally Balderas, who helped move Ramirez's body, was hospitalized for 10 days, suffering from episodes of apnea. Julia Gorkinski, the medical resident who spotted the yellow particles in Ramirez's blood, got the worst of it and spent two weeks in intensive care. She too suffered apnea, but also hepatitis, or developed hepatitis and pancreatitis, and avascular necrosis in her knees, which necessitated her using crutches for months after. Jeez, that's pretty intense. Mm. Initial investigations found that people who were closest in proximity to Gloria Ramirez, within two feet of her, were the most affected. This was doubly true for the staffers who handled her blood. They were by far the sickest. The Riverside coroner's office performed an autopsy on Ramirez in a sealed environment where they collected blood and tissue, but the results of this examination and any subsequent tests performed on Gloria Ramirez's remains have never been made public. Whatever they found, they soon began to request help from outside sources. Part 7. The official story of the toxic lady. We're just getting started. <laughs> On April 29th, 1994, the coroner announced that Gloria Ramirez's death, or cause of death, was kidney failure related to cervical cancer, but they offered no ex explanation for the strange effects on hospital staff. The first outside group to investigate what happened that night at Riverside General Hospital was the California Health and Human Services Agency. Since Gloria Ramirez's cause of death had been announced had been announced and a hazmat team had already ruled out gases or other outside toxins leaking into trauma room one. They focused on the staffers who got sick. CHHS were the ones who discovered that that staffers working closest to uh, Ramirez and handled her blood got the sickest, but they also focused on other things they thought might be relevant in the case. Namely, they claimed that women 
on staff were more strongly affected, and people who skipped dinner felt sicker than those who had eaten. Uh, they also examined staff members' blood taken shortly, off, shortly after the event and found no signs of poisoning. All the samples came back clean. On September 2, 1994, the CHHS announced their findings. Mass sociogenic illness. That's a fancy word for mass hysteria. Um, no one had actually gotten sick at all. They had just smelled a bad odor, odor and their minds went into overdrive from there. ER staffers who had shown actual physical symptoms after treating Gloria Ramirez, as well as Ramirez's family, were highly dissatisf dissatisfied with these findings. Part 8. I need my water. Jeez. <clears throat> An outside consultant looked into what happened uh, to Gloria Ramirez. Back in March of 1994, before the Riverside Coroner's Office had announced Gloria Ramirez's cause of death, they reached out to a third party, the Lawrence Livermore uh, National Laboratory, or Double LNL, for additional assistance. Uh, the Double LNL examined Ramirez's remains and found a compound called dimethyl sulfone. Since the coroner's office didn't take things further than that, the Double LNL reported its findings and moved on. After the mass hysteria announcement in September, the staffers who were affected that night reached back out to the Double LNL. Since it was several months after Ramirez's death, she had, she had been already been buried. The double LNL seemed like the best choice for help, as they had already analyzed her remains months before and still had those results. Um, double LNL Deputy Director Pat Grant re-examined the previous analysis and noticed the finding of dimethyl sulfone. It turned out this was incorrect. The chemical found was actually dimethyl sulfoxide, DMSO. Uh, Grant was familiar with this chemical because it was a folk remedy for aches and pains. DMSO has been, had been studied for medical research in the 60s, but wasn't approved by the FDA and was considered a toxic substance. Diluted versions later got approved for treating inter, interstitial cystitis? Cyst? Cystitis. I don't know. That's a hard freaking word. <laughs> Try and pronounce this. C-Y-S-T-I-T-I-S. Cystitis. C-Y-S-T-Y. No, C-Y-S-T-I-T-I-S. Whatever you said. Cystitis. That's, that's a stupid word. Um, but to get... The pure form of DMSO, you need to go and buy it in a hardware store where it was sold as a degreaser. Part 9. A significant clue to the toxic lady. Pat Grant and the double LNL began to develop a theory that Gloria Ramirez had been self-medicating with DMSO. Two of the notable effects of DMSO, oily skin and a fruity, garlicky smell and taste. If this theory was correct... The DMSO that Ramirez had been taking as a pain reliever might have done something very unusual and, effect and effectively poisoned Riverside General Hospital staffers. There was a problem, though. DMSO can be harmful, which is why it wasn't approved by the FDA in the 60s, but it's nowhere near toxic enough to, make, or to suddenly make over 20 people sick. Grant, a nuclear chemist by trade, 
and not an expert in organic, in organic chemistry, looked into similar compounds to DMSO and found dimethyl sulfone, DMSO2. The chemical for which DMSO had initially been mistaken. It's chemically similar, but has an extra oxygen molecule. To add more fuel to the theory, they found that DMSO2 mixed with a blood substitute called Ringer's solution at a room at room temperature caused the formation of white crystals, which might have appeared yellow in actual blood. It seemed like Grant and the double LNL were close to having a smoking gun in, on their hands. But like DMSO, DMSO2 is not a highly toxic substance capable of making nearly two dozen people ill within moments. They would need to go just a bit deeper and look at other similar chemicals to DMSO and DM DMSO2. Part 10. A possible solution to the toxic lady. By adding two more oxygen molecules, we're going to get into some chemistry here. By oh adding two God. more oxygen molecules, DMSO2 becomes dimethyl sulfate, DMSO4. And you know what that is? No. Good, because I'm going to tell you. It's a toxic nerve gas that has been trialed as a chemical weapon in war and gave those exposed to it symptoms nearly identical to those suffered by the staffers in Trauma Room 1. Of the 20 types of symptoms reported by ER staff, DMSO4 could account for 19 of them. Only nausea and vomiting were not considered effects of DMSO4. It seemed like a slam dunk, but there were still some problems. While the oxygen... What was that? Was did you just fart? No. Yes, you did. I. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, oh, shoot. While the oxygen given to Gloria Ramirez's Gloria Ramirez when she was admitted to Riverside General Hospital could explain DMSO turning into DMSO two, there is no known process for which DMSO two turns into DMSO four. While the double LNL theorized that perhaps the temperature being too low in trauma room one or the electric shocks from the defibrillator somehow caused the chemical to change, this has not been replicated in any laboratory tests. The Riverside Coroner's Office endorsed LNL's findings as the most likely explanation, but other organic chemists in the field found the theory very unlikely. DMSO4 vaporizes at 370 degrees Fahrenheit, not in a slightly cool emergency room. In fact, there are records of people being exposed to the gas, but their symptoms took hours to appear, not minutes. On top of that, the gas would have needed to somehow completely dissipate and leaving no trace for the hazmat team to find. Part 11. <laughs> the deadly cure. Toxic nerve gases aside, if Gloria Ramirez had been self-medicating with DMSO, it is likely that it directly contributed to her death. Ramirez died of liver failure. If her kidneys had been already shutting down before taking DMSO, the chemical likely exacerbated things. It's also possible that Ramirez took so much DMSO that it caused her kidneys to fail in the first place. Either way, both, both scenarios lead to the same thing. Gloria Ramirez, Gloria Ramirez had a very large buildup of DMSO in her system. Her kidneys simply could, not, could no longer get rid of it. Assuming double LNL's theory is correct, it's possible that the sheer amount of DMSO in her body turning into DMSO4 might have caused the very quick and acute symptoms experienced by the staff in, the tr in Trauma Room 1 that night. 
But again, this is unproven. No traces of DMSO were ever found in Gloria Ramirez's body. The blood samples of the ER, ER staff or even in the room itself. Ramirez's family disputed WLNL's findings, saying she never took DMSO. They planned on having their own autopsy done, but Ramirez's body wasn't released to them until two months after her death. Not only were the tissues badly decayed, but the independent pathologist found that her heart and organs were completely missing, and what remained seemed to have been a cross-contamination with fecal matter. Ew. Mm-hmm. Part 12. What really happened that night? Question mark. Double LNL's findings have only ever been a theory. And the official explanation of what happened on February 19, 1994, remains mass hysteria. The Riverside Coroner's Office never made the results of their test going, uh, of their own testing public. And several key pieces of evidence like the syringe of Gloria Ramirez's blood, disappeared um, and have never been found. In fact, the Riverside Coroner's Office, or Riverside Coroner's Office investigator, who originally worked on the case, committed suicide a month into the investigation of Ramirez's death. Why? I don't know. This has led some speculation about the possibility of a cover-up. After all, why would Ramirez's organs be missing or contaminated with feces? Something that any respecting examiner would take great pains to avoid. A long-standing conspiracy theory alleges something very different happened. Allegedly, some staff were running their own meth lab on hospital property and smuggling it in and out of IV bags. The theory goes that one of those IV bags somehow ended up mixing with the IV bags meant to be used in patients and the ER staff, unaware of this fact, hooked it up to Gloria Ramirez. These meth fumes then seeped into the room then when they drew her blood. Further rumors claim that, the, that Riverside County and Riverside General Hospital Administration didn't want the bad press and covered the whole thing up. Naturally, there's zero evidence to back any of this up, but it is an interesting theory nonetheless. Hmm. And that was 12 parts of that mystery. I hope I counted them out right. Your dyslexia might have gotten in the way. Oh, dude, it's getting bad. You should really go see someone. I have. <laughs> well, it's been since high school. And, and I also need so glasses. I'll try the glasses yeah. first. I got to call Walmart. That's where I go to get my eyes checked. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's one theory that I searched for, tried, but, and you're going to like this, and you want to know why? Aliens? Yes. People believe that she was... Abducted. No, 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 no. That she was an alien herself. <gasps> or from another dimension. <gasps> yeah. That I like that. Yeah. But the fact that, like, I I don't like the whole meth lab thing. That's a stretch. Just because, wouldn't they, the hazmat team find that too? And plus, like, wouldn't other people who have been in meth labs, like, exhibit similar, yeah. like, characteristics? Yeah. Because, like, what, she's, like, one of the only people who's ever, like, had, like, she's one of the only. They, like, this is, this is a completely unique okay. case. So, yeah. yeah. So, alien, maybe. Alien seems 
weird because there's not enough to be like. I don't know. Well, for all we know, aliens could look be just like us, but just like be a little bit different. Shape shifting aliens. But the fact that the, 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 if they died, though, it would revert. Yeah, that's true. I mean that don't that only happens in the movies. We don't this know what we don't know what kind of alien we're the dealing. Hollywood sheep will have lied to us. Yeah. Did I use that right, sheep? Sheeple, I think so. What's your theory? Um. All that chemical stuff. Oh no, we're sheeple. We're because the, the government because we fools follow us. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the the people in Hollywood are puppets. That's what they are. And we're the sheeple. Yeah, yeah. We're no, they want us to be sheeple, but I we're too woke for that. I say no. Yeah, nay. We're nay. <laughs> we're horses. Yeah, nay. We say nay. Anyways, I I don't know about all the chemical things. Um, just cause apparently like DMSO, she's could have been rubbing that on her skin and adding the oxygen could have turned that in DMSO too. Um, dimethyl sulfide, I think. Sulfoxide. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but like the only way that that could become dangerous was for it to transition to DMSO4, which is like they said, impossible. You're you're so um, you're hurting my. I brain. sound really smart right now. Yeah, you're hurting my brain. But I'm gonna stick with. I mean, of course dimension. we. Yeah, no, of course we wanna we wanna entertain the alien theory. Well, no, I. <sighs> Sorry. Here is my reason for picking that one. Yeah. Number one. It being a totally unique case gives it some leeway. Yeah. Evidence of other dimensions being out there gives it some leeway. Yeah. Number two, the other reasons hurt my head to think about. So. What about the fact that she had a family, though? What? Like, they talked about her family. Is it an alien family? No. She Usually interdimensional travers, travelers are by themselves, though. Okay, you don't think that, um, Jesus, I'm going to sit up. That's a good idea. You don't think that she could have came when she was younger or that she she had put up this appearance but secretly would travel back in to the other dimension? Or, yeah, perhaps she was a secret dimensional hopper? Yes, yes. Huh. Although... Wouldn't the shit that happened in the hospital also affect her family and like other people that were around her? Cause like it or did like did it trigger when she died? Uh, all this weird stuff. Yeah. Well, it. I think the weird stuff really triggered when they, um, they started using the defibrillator and they had to take her shirt off for that. And they noticed that's when they noticed the oily substance. But then. It, Everybody started fainting when they start when they drew her blood, so that's when the odor started um, coming out. Um, but there's no real explanation for it. No, <sighs> this is one of our most mysterious mysteries. That mind. is, I don't know what that that I don't know. I yeah. that's bad. Fully, 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 on, full transparency. No, no idea. 
We stick with the theory that doesn't make us think a lot. <laughs> I don't actually even know. I the dimension one. Well, I don't even know about that, that one. I mean, that's the furthest stretch out of all this. So, it's all a stretch. Yeah. Uh, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Just think about it more. Do you have any final remarks or thoughts? I did have another story, but we'll save it for another time. Oh, you know, okay. Wait, how long is it? Uh, I don't think it's too long. What is it about? It's off Reddit. Um, hold on, one little, click. Little Albert. On, have you click. heard of Little Albert? Yes, I think. Hold on real quick. I have to go to the bathroom. Talk. You have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. We can end it. <laughs> yeah, this isn't long at all. Well, um, I guess I should wait for Jackson to talk about Little Albert. But. You, oh, you, you can hear me? Yeah. All right. So, whatever happened to Little Albert? Probably the most famous in- infant subject, apart from the baby Jesus, oh, okay, um, has finally been tracked down according to an article in the latest edition of American Psychologist. In what must be one of the most notorious psychological studies ever conducted, American behaviorist, psychologist, John B. Watson and his assistant, Rosalie Rayner, uh, presented a nine-month-old baby, little Albert, with a white lab rat at first. Uh, The baby showed no fear. But then Watson would sneak up behind the infant and and startle him with a loud bang by striking a hammer on a metal bar. Naturally, as babies do, this, this startled little Albert. Um, and he cried, as babies do. Every time Watson and Rayner presented the rat uh, to the to Little Albert, they, oh, they the clang- psychology experiment. Yeah, this, this where they made him terrified of bunnies. Yeah, let me get it. Let me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so every time they presented him with the rat, they'd clang that metal bar with the hammer, and so. Uh, very soon, the sight of the rat alone was enough to reduce little Albert into a shaking bundle of nerves. Yeah, it's one of the worst uh, experiments yeah. involving conditioning. Thing. Yeah, um, He had learned to fear the sight of a rat. Little Albert soon became fearful of a num- number of similar objects that Watson and Rayner presented to him. Not too surprising, considering that whenever these two adults appeared, they seemed hell-bent on making his life a misery. Poor kid. <laughs> Those guys are pieces of shit. I know. Rabbits, dogs, a sealskin coat, and even a Santa Claus mask soon became sources of sheer terror for the poor child. Only by crawling away could little Albert get some comfort and relief. He had become phobic to objects that had not previously upset him. Why did Watson and Rayner inflict such cruelty? This is important. To prove that phobias could be acquired by associative learning. Isn't that important to scare the living shit out of a little baby? But anyways, this is where it gets interesting. Um, whatever happened to little Albert? Psychologist Hallbeck set out to track down the whereabouts of the unfortunate infant. Soon after the experiments, little Albert and his mother moved away from John Hopkins and disappeared. By tracking down financial records, Beck found out that he was most likely, likely to be the illegitimate son of the campus nurse. Arvilla Merritt, who had a boy called, let's take a wild guess. A wild guess. Albert. No. Let's take a wild guess. It's closer than you think. 
Do it. Al, Al, Alfred. Yeah. Douglas. Oh. <laughs> That's why I'm reading this right now. <laughs> Uh, Beck managed to trace the family and obtain photographs of the infant boy. Although blurry, FBI forensics made a positive match between Douglas and the photographs of little Albert taken at John Hopkins. However, the end of the story is somewhat tragic, as Douglas died aged six years of age after developing hydrocephalus. Hydrocephalus, not syphilis. Hydrocephalus. God damn it, every time I say it, syphilis pops out. Yep, just go. Just rolls off the tongue. In finishing the article, Beck ends with a moving personal testimony. None of the folktales we encountered during our inquiry had a factual basis. There is no evidence that the baby's mother was outraged at her son's treatment or that Douglas's phobia proved resistant to extinction. No, Doug- uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, you go first. Douglas was never deconditioned, and he was not adopted by a family north of Baltimore. Nor was he ever an old man. Our search of seven years was longer than the, than the little boy's life. I laid flowers on the grave of my longtime companion, turned and simultaneously felt a great peace and profound loneliness. That was his little personal testimony. So little Albert's dead? Yeah, he, well, Douglas, because like FBI uh, matched, got a positive match between a photo, infant photo of him and the photo of him at John Hopkins. So, I don't know where Albert came from. When did he die? Uh, it didn't say. But he died at age six. What? Yeah. Of developing hydro... I'm going to look that word up. Look up. Um, a condition in which fluid accumulates in the brain, typically in young children, enlarging the head and some kind, sometimes oh, hold on. causing brain damage. Hold on. Recent research has shown that Douglas Merritt may not have been Little Albert. Oh, man. The identity claimed by Beck, Levinson, and Irons has been contested by psychology researchers Russ Powell and Nancy Dignan, who offer an alternative identity based on available data. William Barger had been born within a day of Merritt, was known by family and friends as Albert, even though his given name is William, and his mother had also worked at the hospital. In addition, his size and developmental condition much more closely matched the experiment's documentation of the subject baby's condition. Through the use of a, of a, of a professional genealogist, the researchers learned Barger had died in 2007 at the age of 87 and identified one close living relative, a niece. Uh, Barger's niece stated that she and her uncle had been quite close throughout his life, acknowledging his antipathy toward dogs as a well-known fact that family members would tease him about. The researchers noted that there was no way to determine whether or not this behavior was linked to Watson's experiment, and stated that she did not recall any other phobias. The researchers concluded that Barger would have been unaware of his role as an infant test subject. Hmm. So basically, but to go back on what you were saying about extinction, what that means is, if you're confused, is um, through the use of, like, the conscious um the behaviors that they learn to go through as in like with pavlov's dog um they wouldn't metron the the metronome wouldn't cause them to sell anymore because they heard it so much after realizing nothing was going to happen so they essentially they taught themselves how to, to extinct that behavior so the theory is with albert is that if he was able to he himself 
self-consciously cause the... Who's that? Cause the behavior to go extinct. I don't know. Hold on. Excuse us. All right, that was our neighbor. All right. <laughs> um, Basically, okay, so yeah. they, they just forget about it. Yeah, so essentially over time, they get so used to it and realize that, like... And in terms of Albert, the, the theory for him would be that he gets around these objects so much and learns that eventually that he he keep he notices the pattern of every time I'm around it I get scared but nothing happens to me he eventually grows out of it mm. and so mm. the that the behavior sense. that was forced on him through the experiment is ex- it basically goes extinct but it's it's all it's not a guaranteed thing the extinction part of uh, a behavior is not guaranteed that was me being a little smart for a second. There you go. There you go. But yeah, that's a that's a. I just found that interesting because yeah. the, the Douglas thing. Yeah, even though that's not him. His name's William Barger, and he died in two thousand seven. Yeah. Or he didn't. I like knows. how I asked if you knew <laughs> the story. Little Albert was like, I don't know. And then he just come back, come back with this whole spiel and. <laughs> well, like you were saying it, like like. Like, like um, it was a ghost thing? Like it was like a mystery thing. Yeah. But no, it was just like a crazy experiment yeah. where no one knows the identity. Once you started talking about like the rat and everything, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. the conditioning yeah. experiment. But that's all I got. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? I just said that's all I got. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, fair enough. All right. Um, thank you for listening. Thank um, you. Uh, I don't really know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. It's almost spooky season. Yes. We'll get some spooky episodes. Maybe... Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you need to talk for a little bit. <laughs> what just happened? No, never mind. Don't say it. Um, yeah, follow us on Instagram at nightswims.podcast. And, uh, Almost just threw up <laughs> when I burped. No idea why. I could tell. Oh, that felt disgusting. <laughs> <Ugh. clears throat> You've been the first host to throw up on the podcast. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Where can they follow us on Instagram? I just said. Say it again. At nightswims.podcast. Thank you. Dawson. That is at, at N-I-G-H-T-A. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The, the night of swims. <laughs> Idiot. Dawson, if you're, if you're curious about that podcast, uh, let me know. And um, tune in next time for another Alien episode. Because that's what I'm going to do for the rest of September is aliens. And if you don't like that... Diverse. Then you can... That's actually know. really diverse because they don't even live on Earth. Yeah, and there's they're, they're all... So far, I've done a as different we, alien story about, each time. As we talked about, they could be tangible. They could be ethereal. Ethereal. They could be... It, it, there's, it doesn't matter. Ethereal just sounds fancier. Um, they could be... That's about it. (laughs) All right. Thank you all for listening. And I'll talk to you later. Love you. Love you more.